Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm in the studio with Rob Sheffield. Brittany's, Hi, Brian. Rob is saying hi. Hi, Rob. <laughs> Brittany Spanos. Hello. <laughs> we're doing a thing where we say hi today. <laughs> and Charles Holmes. What up, what up, what up? <laughs> so we're going to talk about Billie Eilish and Lil Nas X, just kind of taking a look at two artists who are dominating the discourse right now. Billie Eilish had like 33.6 million streams on Spotify last week, as someone pointed out, that's more than Beyonce and Ariana Grande combined. She is our new overlord. We salute her. (laughs) Overlord Uh, with an E. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Sorry, original old lord. (laughs) You are out of date. You are old now. We are all very old now. I've seen people struggle with Billie Eilish, people who are like over the age of 25 and then struggle for a few days. I've seen this with music critics on Twitter. And I'm talking about like 27-year-old music critics. <laughs> At first being like, maybe I'm too old, I don't get Billie Eilish. And then they come back three days later and they're like, I'm a Billie Eilish stan. Was there any sort of hump to overcome in, in anyone's comprehension of the Billie Eilish phenomenon? Or did you all kind of get it right away? I enjoyed her right away because I really loved Ocean Eyes and I loved Bellyache. And those were some of her early singles before her, she dropped her album. And I was looking forward to what she would do with a uh, full length. And I think I get why there was some hesitation because she does kind of reference a lot of people like Lana Del Rey and Lord and a lot of artists who have come before her who kind of have done the moody kind of nightmarish pop sort of thing before. So I get why there was some hesitation because it was like, can this live up to a lot of the artists that she is pulling from and influenced by? But I think she's doing her own thing and I think she has her own very distinctive brand happening. I mean, Charles had a thing. I got to say, you're not the first one to say this, but still credit for independently coming up with the take that she's Regina Spector for the SoundCloud uh, era. Hell yeah. You know, both of them got bangers. Yeah. I literally just didn't listen to Billie Eilish because I saw her Instagram once and I'm like, nope, not for me. And then I put her on. Let's unpack this for a minute. What exactly did you see on her Instagram that put you off? Man, it's like just like the Visu jeans and the Supreme and like she looks kind of like Missy Elliott, but it's like ironic. And I'm like, oh, word, this was cool in Tumblr like 10 years ago. This is dope, I guess. But then like I played the music and, you know, I had to say I'm a hater. You know, I had to eat my words because she just you know them beats is banging the lyrics are great like yo like best rapper alive Billie Eilish (laughs) (laughs) let's hear Ocean Eyes which is it's truly insane when you realize that she uploaded this at least if you buy the narrative she uploaded this when she was 14 for her like dance instructor to hear and didn't intend anyone else to hear it and then like basically the next day Zane Lowe's like we have the new greatest song in the world and but it actually it's genuinely amazing and we should hear it and then we'll talk a little bit about it for some time Can't stop staring at those ocean eyes Burning cities I mean, the Lana Del Rey thing, with all due respect to the Regina Spector thing, is, is super blatant there. I mean, that that's full on Lana. But it's so accomplished. And part of the story is that her brother, they were both homeschooled by these like super arty actor parents. And she and her brother became this like music team. And her brother was on Glee, I learned from Brittany. Yeah, he was on Glee <laughs> in the later years, which were the worst years of Glee as a Glee fan. <laughs> when I stopped watching Glee was when it got bad. But he was on later. I don't even know what his character was. But oh, you didn't even watch it? Yeah, yeah. he was on for the last like couple seasons or something. So, But like while he was on Glee, he, he was... He was like the from... new high school kids on Glee after sure. the original high school kids went to college. Was he on when the girl who's Supergirl was on Glee? Yes. Yeah, 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 okay. So he kind of like had this television pass right before she started making her music. So... While he was on Glee, he was like, for his little teenage sister, was 
producing these bangers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, he is credited as co-writer, and they're definitely some kind of team, but there's also no doubt that she's, I don't think anyone's disputing her creative agency here and her importance to the process and her unique kind of vision, because it's kind of like, the other factor is that there's a little bit of like Marilyn Manson's granddaughter in there, <laughs> like just the sort of, the whole kind of dark horror thing, which is somewhat present in the music, definitely present in the imagery. How do you see that aspect like playing into this whole thing, the, the sort of the dark horror aspect? Yeah, there's a lot of that dark goth sort of horror going on. It's very Kate Bush. Well, in terms of the working methods, like I'm, I'm fascinated because Kate Bush had the big brother who she used to make all her records with who liked to stay in the background and that kind of working method. He was kind of the Dorothy Wordsworth in her story. And Jesus, turns out I know nothing about Kate Bush. Kate Bush also had a brother. Yes, Patty what? Bush. Yes. but and For, you, By but the way, you could be completely was, making this up and I would believe you. But A brother with a cool name, yeah. too. Like, <laughs> who you know was sort of in the background shadow just sort of giving a low-profile assist. But the same kind of goth nightmare imagery that's even more sort of terrifying because it's coming from her. This new album, the first track, and it's called uh, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? The first track was refreshing me because it's unlike her last thing, it was actually up-tempo. For someone like Dave Grohl said his daughter's really into it and it makes him feel like rock and roll is coming back. And it, it definitely occupies that sort of alt space in some weird way that like rock and roll space, even though there's nothing sort of musically quote unquote rock and roll about it. That said, like for all that, her music is very, very sleepy often. Very atmospheric. That's why the ASMR people love it. It's whispery. and But for bangers, they're pretty quiet. But the opening track and a few other ones have some energy. Let's hear that song if we can. And you, you were mentioning uh, the, the, the whole Zanny thing, but it's an anti-Zanny song, you know, like she's on record as being anti-Zanny despite her SoundCloud origins. Yeah, but it's still like the same thing that, you know, <laughs> somebody like Juice World is doing or any of those SoundCloud rappers. It's just like, oh, we're going to make this like very sleepy, druggy type music. And I think honestly, what I like about her that I could never get into Lana for is like, oh, she's young. She gets it. She's in on the joke. Like, she gets how the internet works in a way that like I think a lot of her contemporaries just didn't because the internet was still new and I think that will be her her biggest boon is that like if she can continue to kind of be that person who's like in on the joke then the kids will be like oh like it's the same thing with Juice World. like he did it very well so shout out to her <laughs> that is what we're doing with this entire episode the first half is a shout out to her in fact. the teens yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is wild that A she's a creature of the internet but B she talks about being a creature of rap to an extent, even though she never, thank God, attempts to rap. She mentioned Tower the Creator as like her favorite artist and her biggest influence. Mm -hmm. How can we wrap our heads around that? Where do you see that? I mean, it's obviously not a direct musical influence, but... Yeah, I think she's definitely taking cues from how inventive all of these artists that she looks up to are. Like, I know she cited a lot of everything that Don Glover does and how he kind of has his hand in a lot of different creative and visual things happening at once. And she's someone who takes into account the kind of inventiveness of the rappers that she loves. I think she wants to make that sonic experience happen for her listeners. And again, like you said, thankfully, she's not rapping. It's the same thing as like Justin Timberlake being like an Eminem fan, you Mm -hmm. know? To me, Tyler, the creator, fills that role where it's like his whole aesthetic is anti-establishment and bright and funny and cartoony. And I think because in rap, people are more willing to take that and run with it. So like I can see why she is like a huge Tyler, the creator fan because 
because I honestly think that all of these kids coming up are all big, huge Tyler, the mm-hmm. creator fans in a way that I don't understand. And I was growing <laughs> up when our future was popping. Yeah. But hey, you know, I, I mean, think, you're, yeah. you're getting on in years. I can see it. I mean, like, yeah, hey, like, man, you know, in spirit, I got the teens. But it's funny. I think even the fact that like we're talking about Billie Eilish on Rolling Stone is like shows you how rapidly it goes because now the teens are like, damn, the adults found it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I was Billie Eilish, I'm like, shh, don't say anything. No. <laughs> also, it's like at this point for teen pop stars, it's a heritage move to say that rap is really like what inspires you and fuels you. I mean, that goes back to several generations of teen. Pop goes back to the new kids on the block talking about how <laughs> Public Enemy was their real inspiration. You know, like a teen you're, popper is you're required so right. to you're do so that. You're so right. I forgot all about that. Right, right. And that's like the interesting thing too is like the rappers that she's citing are the kind of like the really twisted ones. Like she's like citing people. Like she was best friends with XXX Tentacion and like kind of the way that she references yeah, a lot of. Yeah. It, I know it's like really, but like I think she's like kind of the dangerous. She's like the antithesis to a lot of the sort of more mainstream people that other pop artists are referencing in rap. Well, a, sorry, you no, I was just going to say, Billie Eilish, the one thing that's probably why I didn't listen to her is like, <laughs> Billie Eilish is like a girl that everybody knows they went to college with who's like super into rap. So like, everybody's like, oh, she's so cool. That's probably why I was like, oh, I remember you. You were like <laughs> annoying. But like, it speaks to like, it just speaks, she's like savvy. And it was just like, she was like the popular kid. She's like, oh guys, have you heard of this Donald Glover album? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. We, we just buried Billie Eilish with that praise. Uh, that, that's, yeah. But what you're saying is, you then realize she's not quite that. She's, <laughs> nah, she's still that. Yeah. But you know, like it's she like she can be both. I can't be mad if like the music's there and the music's there. It's the same thing of like you know any like Tyler the Creator is a perfect example. I thought he was corny for years, and then he drops like really good music, and I'm like, all right, you're still corny, but I'm being a hater. Like I can point out when I'm being a hater, and I was a hater to Billie because you know, name me another album this year that has that many great songs in a row on mm-hmm. it. I can't name you probably even 10 yeah. to be honest. No features either. Except the J. Brother. Cole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Brittany, you were getting into that idea that she's in this oppositional alt space and yeah. it was, I'll bring us back to our elevator discussion where there is this thing like Ariana Grande's the Britney. Mm-hmm. And then Billie Eilish is the Avril Lavigne, which in the same way, like to build off that. of what Charles was saying, was like the idea that she is this person who's like, you know, I listen to this rap music, like I like, you know, these like kind of like weirder influences or whatever, and makes me cool. But she's also still like a product of a very pop space, and that reflects in her music. And she can say those influences, and they kind of are reflected in her music. But at the same time, she's still doing the pop move, which is very Avril Lavigne of her. She's like, I kind of have like cooler interests outside of what you are necessarily hearing entirely. I kind of have a little bit of danger in my songs. I'll like curse a little bit more than your average pop star. Why I Love Bellyache, it's literally about like murdering her friends and putting them in the backseat of her car like and just like taking them to go bury them. Bold move from a pop star <laughs> to sing a song like that and also make it very catchy. But yeah, I think that's just kind of like the sort of danger plus also existing in a very palatable pop space where she can have radio hits and she can have these songs that can reach a wider audience. Charles, you wrote an article about, I think it's My Strange Addiction that has all those office yeah, that's samples the f- in it. That was the first, like, and that probably shows how old I am because I was very, like, just checked out. And then I was, like, listening to it. I'm like, oh, this would appeal to, like, a 26-year-old. There's office samples. <laughs> but when I reached out to, like, a bunch of them, like, the writers on the show didn't even know who she was or they knew of, like, one song that had gotten, like, the Spotify boom and they put it in a playlist. Mm-hmm. But it's just funny. I think that I'm not old, but it's just 
she's so savvy like for her to do that and to hook somebody who's like now i'm 26 and i'm like oh okay like this is something that i'm not used to pop stars doing it made me a fan of her instantly i was just like all right i'm writing and that song weirdly is there's two songs on her album that actually are credited entirely to the brother so he apparently flat out wrote that song and i I forget which other one but let's hear a little bit of my strange addiction complete with its office samples and it's from the episode where they had uh, michael scott's movie what's his michael scott's movie called again threat level mini Night. Greatest yeah. movie of all time. <laughs> Let's hear a little bit of that. No, Billy, I haven't done that dance since my wife died. <laughs> There's a whole crowd of people out there who need to learn how to do the scar. Don't ask questions. You don't yeah, and I would say actually throughout the album, it's definitely more awake than the stuff on Don't Smile at Me, which led to that. People did call that, I don't know, is it, yeah, it is an album. I was wondering if it's considered an EP because it's kind of short. That album, Don't Smile At Me, people were kind of calling Spotify core because it is that kind of playlisty, very pleasant, vaguely jazzy kind of soft thing that wants to stay in the background. Mm-hmm. And I think that criticism had some validity to it. And this one is less that, I think. It's definitely more awake. It's hard to convey in this medium, but this sort of visual aspect, there's a certain like, oat hot topic look to the Billie Eilish experience. What can you say about that? Definitely went to a lot of scene shows with people who look exactly (laughs) like Billie. Yep. Just the exact, like the very like oversized kind of like should be wearing Janko jeans at any given moment, (laughs) blue hair consistently. And like she wears a lot of like the spiky chokers. Like it's a full scene aesthetic from 15 years ago that has moved into like kind of like hype beast supreme, you know. But I appreciate she, it's no irony. She doesn't yeah. do it like it feels like this is just her, which yeah. I like appreciate like that energy. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I can respect that. It's wild. And it's, it's an interesting mix with the music. One of the things I'm trying to understand is just how every young person became obsessed with her, what the path was. Can anyone help me with that? Part of it certainly was the SoundCloud viral thing. And then it was on 13 Reasons Why, which is a big access point for mm-hmm. teens. But like... How did this happen? <laughs> well, I was actually pretty confused as to how she became so, so famous and so like had so many like passionate teen fans. Because I remember I interviewed her at a live event and it was just like packed with 15 year olds who were just screaming and just like going fully, fully insane for her. And because I thought that her like don't smile at me was like so slow i was like oh like you know this is like chill this is good like, i was like i don't know how teens will get into this and i was like oh well they're all here <laughs> they all love it well but that yeah that's I exactly what i was getting at earlier is like this weird where people were acting like it was sort of mosh pit music yeah <laughs> like getting that excited about it when it, it clearly is objectively the opposite and i think it's definitely there's the darkness in the lyrics which kind of once you unpack that beneath sort of the chill asmr sort of ness of the actual sound there's this real like darkness underlying all of her lyrics and all of her songs which obviously teen stan and i mean her aesthetic is definitely super interesting I think it's just sort of like kind of like that horror kind of doesn't really care about a lot of stuff, just kind of like talks about really, really dark things all the time is hard to ignore. And like every generation needs a teen idol with that kind of aesthetic. And it she seems is like that. almost I don't, the world doesn't understand me music, which I mm-hmm. feel like mm. our pop stars were getting a little bit old. Like, you know, I think Ariana Grande is a perfect example of she's the hugest 
pop star in the world, but you know, she's dealing with like getting married, but not getting married Mm -hmm. and all of these things with, if I was a teen, I would be like, Oh, I understand, but not really where Billy is still at that age where it's like dark. No one understands me. The world sucks. Like I just want to kill somebody. And, and when I was a teen, I was like, Oh yeah. Like there's something about like an Eminem that speaks to you. Yeah. My chemical romance. Yeah. Evanescence, all these things where you're just like, this is dark. And then you grow up and you're like, why was I so, why was I so, <laughs> was I that sad? I don't know. Everybody understood me. I'm not special. But yeah. like, I think that she, she's that age. You're absolutely yeah. right. And that, that sort of emo mode was only being provided in recent years by rappers, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, by the sort of emo tinge of rappers, whether it's Lil Uzi Vert or whatever. But so there was an obvious lane for, yeah. and, and there was not, yeah. there weren't any pop stars, any like straight up like pop singers doing that lately just because a lot of pop was very kind of moving towards like a synthy sort of like a lot of 80s nostalgia over the last few years there was just like not a lot of darkness in pop music happening and i think that she kind of speaks to that and she's able to be that like very straight up pop performer who can be like no one understands me no one understands you let's just be sad together and sing this song and also, I just think it, unfortunately, it speaks to the type of artists that uh, can cross over to pop and pop will allow. Because I think even when Lil Uzi Vert was here, XXX, he was very problematic. All of these rappers, like, they didn't really cross over to pop radio. Mm-hmm. Whereas Billie Eilish, like, a lot of programmers can be like, oh, she signed yeah. to Interscope. She kind of looks like my little cousin, my little daughter. Like, she's a little mean, but I'm not threatened. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not like this tattooed black kid from the hood. Yeah, put her on now. So I think that's really where you see her success ballooning because it's like she's this could be a Lil Uzi Vert album and pop music would not play it. Right. Right. Meanwhile, like technically, like she's the one who has like black blood coming out of her eyes and all this yeah. crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's much <laughs> that's much quote unquote scarier than anything Lil Uzi Vert ever did. But that's yeah, you're absolutely right, of course. Uh, Rob, can you put her in, in more historical perspective, just kind of like where you see she fits in? Well, she's got a lot of Gen X mom energy. <laughs> and I think that's why people love their kids listening to Billy in a way that they don't necessarily love the music that their kids listen to. People love that, like, my daughter's listening to something that reminds me of PJ Harvey and Courtney Love and Alanis that, you know, I was listening to at her age. I think that's a lot of her cross-generational appeal is that she's just got a lot of that sort of Gen X angry girl you know, Julia Stiles and 10 Things I Hate About You sort of energy. <laughs> I'm also, I'm laughing because I'm imagining like a Gen X mom like cheering on the more angsty their kid gets and like darker. They're like, they're like yes, my apprentice, feel the angst within yes. you. Like, let it rise. Yes. Yeah. And just, <laughs> Don't be know, too happy. Yeah. yeah. You know, stuff like, you know, at the moment in that great bad guy video where, you know, the bouncer wants her ID and she just takes out her braces retainer and puts it in his hand, which is disgusting, but awesome. But that's, you know, <laughs> it's very like, you know. That's also how the album begins with the noise of her taking out her invisible yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a very like jagged little pill kind of thing to do. It's a controlled chaos, which is funny because I feel like, you know, a lot of parents now, you know, everything is like controlled. Like I'm going to take my kid to go play outside and it's all scheduled. And to be Billie Eilish is like controlled chaos. It's like, oh, she's dark, but she still has a retainer. This is great for y'all to listen to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Two friends who've told me the same story about listening to Billie Eilish with their kids and their kid asked them what the word seduce meant. And it's just like, that's like, that's people are into the fact that their kids are into this in a way that they're normally threatened and scared and irritated. (laughs) There is a previous lane opened in this sort of alt-pop space. I think the only one 
that people seem to agree was in that lane probably was Lord. Yeah. You know, I was talking about people like uh, Alicia Cara, who uh, I was arguing was in the, the like most mainstream edge of the all pop space. Alicia herself told me she sees herself there. Brittany objected to her no. placement within the- <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> I think here was the closest she got to that. Right. But... Mm. Absolutely. But even with Lord, I think the reason like I didn't really mess with her is like her first song was kind of her trying to make like this weird pointed criticism of rap. And mm. Billy is not that. She's a child of rap. So she's like upholding like Tyler the Creator and Childish Gambino like on a like pedestal. Like I want to make music like you guys where I feel like Lord never really had that. Mm. And I think that is probably why I think Billy might stay around a little bit longer just because now rap is so ingrained in pop you better show a little bit of like respect for it if you hope to kind of like ride the waves of time. And I think Lord definitely pivoted really hard with melodrama away from, I would say from alt pop. I don't think that album was as sort of, you know, kind of like weird pop as her first was. I think she definitely was trying to move into this lane of like a lot more like classic pop tropes, classic pop romanticism, things like that. Yeah. And it may be that Billie Eilish is, she had the youth and vision to see that you don't have to make that move. Mm -hmm. Although I'm sure Lord didn't feel like she had to. She probably wanted to. You know what song I really like is See Me in a Crown. And your thing about Royals kind of reminded me of that. I know See Me in a Crown is not a response to Royals. It's actually, I guess, like a reference to Sherlock, the show Sherlock that we all know and love. But it also is also very Tumblr. Yeah, very Tumblr. <laughs> and also very Gen X mom. Yeah. Like, do we have that ready? Can we hear See Me in a Crown? All right, let's hear that. Watch me make them bow. Well, she's also, she's gotten like a certain swagger. You should see me in a crown. I'm, I'm going to run this nothing town. Like we were getting at this, but she can really write lyrics. She and, and her brother, I guess. But the lyrics are really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's definitely the biggest appeal for a lot of her fans is sort of feeling very connected to the songs that she's yeah. writing, the lyrics that do feel very, very relatable, very like appropriate to her life. Like they don't feel like they're coming from anyone else. Like anyone else's like world vision. Yeah, this is a genius generation. People want to like look up lyrics that people transcribe that are mm-hmm. probably wrong and try to find like deeper meaning and yeah. like, hey, she's tapping into that core of like all this pop stuff. Like all these lyrics have to be deep now. Yeah. I don't know how deep they actually are, but they sound amazing. <laughs> she yeah. sings them very well. Yes. And also she's a teenage girl writing lyrics that are not about boys, which is like a, a heavy signifier. That's I think another reason why people are sort of across the board embracing this in a way that they don't normally embrace teen pop and, and are normally scared of teen pop. Mm-hmm. Just that her expressing herself as a teenage girl is very much about herself. I also think love is kind of, it's weird, but love is almost dying in records. Like if you yeah. think about mm-hmm. like, even like the emo rappers, they don't really talk about like falling in love. There's like lust, yeah. but most of the time it's like pain and anguish. So she fits also in that lane of like, yo, like I don't have time to be pining over <laughs> a guy. I'm plotting a, like a murder, yo. <laughs> even like Ariana Grande is like, she made a breakup album that's just about like, well, I'm single and I'm hanging out with my friends and uh, <laughs> men suck. So that's like literally her entire thank you next era. Absolutely. So it's just going to be Carly Rae out alone falling in love over <laughs> yeah. and over again. <laughs> she's, she's doing all the love for everyone. Yeah, she's she's got all like wrapped up in her. <laughs> I think we're going to move over to Lil Nas X. I feel like they have some things in common. One thing is just, you know, the internet, obviously. Both this understanding of the internet and the way the internet has just facilitated things moving so fast and memefied everything and if you had to pick a commonality between them where would you go Charles? The commonality 
I was thinking about this when I was walking over. It was really depressing to me. I'm like, yo, like the teens just like they had the taste. They had the mind to know that these things were beautiful before the rest of the world. And now it's all like it's all perverted and the olds have kind of like claimed it. And we're trying to put it in historical context. And I'm like, man, the kids just have the ear that and I don't have it anymore. And I'm really like upset. Like I'm having an existential crisis. Like They knew before I did. You know, I appreciate that. So that would be my comment shared thing. <laughs> Listen, it's like the men don't know, but the little girls understand. That was like, you know, written a long time ago, that Absolutely. line. So it's just it will the, never the, be wrong. It's just the way of the I believe I used in the Marilyn Manson review in college. So <laughs> but it's just true. Like the, that's the way it works in pop. Things that seem ridiculous or like totally trashy are embraced and a lot of time by the teens and a lot of times they're right sometimes they're wrong see I'm not into this thing where teens are right about everything because that way madness lies like you don't have to like give up all your your own critical judgments and just bow to the teens but they are right very often listen to the kids bro listen listen to the kids Kids mostly I would add mostly to that (laughs) you know (laughs) but yeah they're they're right but Lil Nas X I think he's some kind of genius Like, as far as, I don't know if he's a a musical genius per se, but the fact that he's been pursuing memification and sort of like online fame for way before he ever came up with this song, way before I think he was even making music, which is now, of course, a pattern we see over and over and over again, which is where people kind of become internet famous or semi-famous and then sort of marshal that into a song. But what's up with him? I think it honestly says more about the labels than it does about Lil Nas X because it's not Mm. like he was the first rapper to do it but in the way that we crucified somebody like a Lil Yachty that was because like the label was trying to push him into this record that was going to be his breakthrough pop thing and with Lil Nas X they're like oh who cares about an album let's just like milk this song for all it's worth and then they plan out uh, the Billy Ray Cyrus remix and this whole time Lil Nas X is kind of being really, really great at like Instagram and Twitter, which he already was to deflect all of this hate. And it's still kind of mounting and that wave has not crashed yet. But it says a lot about his label that they were savvy enough to press go and put the push on a record that has been out since December and is now just hitting its peak. Now, there's no way that anyone hasn't heard this song, but let's hear it. I think we have the original, <laughs> the OG version of, of Old Town Road ready. Horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the boosters black and mad. We're just gonna let it roll. Keep it going. Now, but. Now I'm waiting for Billy Ray to come in. <laughs> I was saying to Brittany that I, in the end, that person probably actually did. Lil Nas X a big favor, but there is someone at Billboard magazine, probably just like one person who was like, that's not country. Let's take that off the chart. I mean, how easy would it have been for them to just be like, what if I wasn't an idiot (laughs) and just let that shit ride? Like, why did they feel the need to do that? But yet, on the other hand, I would say there's no doubt in the long run it's helped him, right? The controversy, like a hundred percent. Oh, we yeah. would not be talking about it the <laughs> yeah. way we're talking about it yeah. now. If that I don't know how it happened. Like there are yeah. like conspiracy theories. It has to be an inside job, right? Like, <laughs> hey, you know that's a movie. That's a biopic for another day. Oh, have, have people actually theorized that, that they begged Billboard to like ban it? Oh like, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Of I course. Think, I think yeah. I think that's the majority opinion at this yeah. point. Like it needed to get banned in order to exist. As, like, but but come on, Billboard would not volunteer to look like racist clowns, right? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
that's a big thing. Sorry, that's sorry. A big, that's a, that's I'll a, be honest. A, the Billboard charts have been more relevant in the last two or three weeks than they have been the yeah. whole last decade. We all know, like, whether it's good press or bad press, it's press, and we're all like looking at the Billboard Hot 100 again. And I will give credit again to the teens because Old Town Road was blowing up long before it was blowing up so much that that's why they had to remove it from the country charts because it was becoming so popular on TikTok because teens were memeing it. It was becoming really popular on Twitter. Like it started Yeehaw Challenge. It started a bunch of other stuff. Like it was already blowing up and it was moving so fastly that there was a point where like radio stations had to rip it from YouTube to even get it on their stations because it was just becoming so popular. And then because it was going to break number one, I believe on the country charts or on the hot country charts, that's why the decision had to be made about whether it was country or not. Yeah. So it was definitely, again, a teen movement but that removal and that moment definitely is the reason why we're still talking about it weeks later because it could have just disappeared. Billy Ray Cyrus would have never known. Absolutely. And the kind of teen movement that needs like frowning adults in mm-hmm. order to really like yeah, define a itself as rebellion. a teen movement. Yeah. yeah. But it's also kind of, I think, sad in a way because I think this song had none of this happened. We wouldn't be talking about it, but it would have set Lil Nas X up probably for a less bumpy career mm-hmm. uh, but now that we're all like wringing our hands like Lil Nas X has become a symbol for a problem and that's unfair because he's still just an artist Yeah. and if you realize this whole time we're not talking about Lil Nas X and like his skills or what he's good or not at we're talking about like Billboard and the country charts and what does genre mean Yeah. and it's not fair for him and it sucks because it's like it's very clear that this was a song that he was just doing for fun Yeah. and it's like now become probably what people are expecting for the rest of his career. And, and I'm, but and, I'm not sure about just for that, fun. I've read interviews where he said he was calculatedly trying to do something that would like become a meme, become a thing, which might have been for fun, but yeah. I think it was also like super calculated, super thought out. Yeah, I mean, I think it was yeah. definitely supposed to exist as a one-time thing. Like, right. I don't think Trap Country was his goal mm. yeah. for a career. So I think it was just like he wanted to do this particular song for this particular moment, and then now it's like, become such a thing but also if i guess on a test and i get 100 of course when people ask me how i do it i'm gonna be like it was calculated bro <laughs> like i studied this yeah. like i'm gonna do that like his whoever is teaching him how to do press kudos to you yes <laughs> and this is exactly how billy ray cyrus broke back in the day mm-hmm. he had this novelty record that no radio stations had there was a scramble of radio stations going to the malls all over the areas because people were like really into this song that had not been industry serviced at all <laughs> this novelty song achy breaky heart we were having the same conversations about achy breaky heart that we're having about old town road now is it country you know travis tritt was the stern figure at the time but lots of (laughs) like the argument over who is this for is this us what is genre that was like exactly in the country tradition as established by billy ray cyrus so for him to arrive in this song could not be more perfect bernie i wanted to uh, break down the tiktok thing a little bit so tiktok for those who don't know is an app where Teens. Teens do a lot of things on there. <laughs> um, TikTok is basically every popular video app that has existed in the last 10 years combined into one very addictive source of my time loss. <laughs> it's just like you can upload a video of up to a minute. It can be kind of like edited up, like usually kind of like quick. Sometimes it's Vine where it's like something really funny is happening. Sometimes people just monologue in there. Sometimes people like do skits to songs. The Yeehaw Challenge was specifically right before the drop in Old Town Road, they're kind of like doing a dance and they drink something called yee juice, which is very hard to say. The yee and the yeehaw. 
and they drink that. And then as the beat drops, then they are suddenly wearing a bunch of cowboy paraphernalia. Sometimes they're pets too, yeah. 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 And so there's like a lot, it's a mixture of things. It's like a lip syncing app, like musically, I would say musically and Vine combined into a monster of chaos. <laughs> it's literally the most chaotic but, thing. But this was a part of the mechanism for the, yeah, the and, fame of this song. And yeah. it's like as TikTok was blowing up last fall, the song was one of the first songs to sort of like, you know, it was an early song in terms of like TikTok to kind of blow up throughout. And then the other unusual factor is uh, Red Dead Redemption <laughs> because he yeah. made, yeah, want to break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, so when I first heard the song, it was like, I was just like, Did, is this just Red Dead Redemption? Like, is this just a visualizer? Like, which was also smart on his behalf because he's just like, yo, I don't have any money for a video. So it was like very quickly, like, I was like, who is this kid? I didn't even know what he looked like. It's just the video game playing against the song on YouTube getting millions upon millions of views. Oh, that's what the music video is? Yes. It's yeah. super brilliant. I, was, it's the video I thought game it was Red just, yeah. No, it was incredibly, <laughs> was as co-founder of our now defunct uh, video game site, <laughs> Glixel, despite never not playing a video game in the last seven years, I, I was aware of it. In one of his most brilliant moves to make a yeah. really great looking low budget <laughs> music video yeah he just did parts of the game red dead redemption and yeah. made it the video and it <laughs> syncs perfectly with the song and it actually like it has a weird kind of atmosphere to it it just works yeah. and then the makers of the game totally embraced it as well it's just this perfect storm of all stuff that couldn't have happened a few years ago yeah all happening all once. very internet-y things kind of happening at once so he is going to have, I think as Charles alluded to, it's going to be a little tough going forward. I mean, Cardi B did amazing coming off of what could have been. It's, it's kind of easy to forget now because she's had so much success, but everyone was wondering, is it going to be just one song? Is it going to be okay? Is it, you know, one hit wonder? But that is nothing compared to the challenge he's got because this is as we said, a novelty song and people were joking about it on the internet. Like, do people not know there's a category called novelty songs? Like, it's a particular thing and there's a long history of people not being able to follow up a novelty hit of this size. And you listen to this, like, he's got this song Rio de Janeiro. That's his only other real song on streaming services. I know he's got other stuff on SoundCloud. And it's very different. And it let's just say it's in no danger of becoming as big as, <laughs> as this song. So if you were to A&R, what would you do? Oh, man, easy. <laughs> you know, we just, I think the, the thing is, is that they don't need to top Old Town Road, they just have to now pass him off as a rapper. Like, they have to pivot like he's a serious rapper who needs to be taken seriously. And that's easy. You just get a banger. Get Pierre Bourne, get Kenny Beats, get any, like, hot, not totally popping producer, but, like, they're who the kids are listening to, like, on SoundCloud, who are going to be those next guys. As long as the beat's hot and... He doesn't even have to be on beat. Look at Blueface. <laughs> He'll be fine. Like, I literally think he has enough momentum if they drop something within the next two months that's even one-fourth as good as Old Town Road. Fine. Mm -hmm. He'll be good. <laughs> well, he's got a gift for Melody. That's That much is clear. Yeah. Like, can he, like, rap? Rap, though? Uh, I don't... Who can rap today? <laughs> like, what's, what's rapping? I don't care. Like, honestly, like, throw some autotune, <laughs> sing a little bit. I don't want bars anymore. We don't need bars. We got 20 years of that, man. Just like, oh man, I'm so excited for what he has next. <laughs> right, just to peel it off that, let's hear Rio de Janeiro. So Rio de Janeiro, pack up your sombrero, stack up your dineros, we stand here till the narrow. So Rio de Janeiro, pack up your sombrero, stack up your dineros, we stand here till the That worked for me more than I wanted it to. <laughs> yes, see? <laughs> all right, all right. 
he's, like, he's in the zone now that Chris Cross were in between Jump and Warm It Up. Like after Jump, nobody knew if Chris Cross had a second song. And they come out with Warm It Up, which is the same thing. Not quite as great, as, but everybody's like, okay, they could do a full album now. They are now officially a group. They're not just two little kids. Everything is to the back of Little Slack. Uh, like that's where he is right now. He just needs his Warm It Up. I do think that what we're seeing is between the two artists that we talked about today, the labels are losing control again, and that's kind of fun. Like, it's pretty clear that they can't really foist stuff on us at this point. Mm-hmm. There's started to see, be a period when it's like, oh, maybe they can use all these mechanisms to kind of just sell what they want to sell. But it doesn't seem like it. It seems like there's going to be these artists coming from basically nowhere. Wait, you think they're exciting. out of control? I think they're fully in control. Like, they're flush with cash, and they're just like, yo, like, to them, I do not think it matters if Lil Nas X pops or not i think they would like it but they have the song you know what i'm saying mm. boy boy west coast is at, is, is at a similar place where it's just like yo all a record label needs to do is have a cardi b once a year mm-hmm. which is very easy like it's not that hard to do yeah and but, it's easy to i mean especially with the lifespans of songs like this like it was like tatiana like you brought blue face tatiana was like the hot song for yeah. Two weeks, like no one can go anywhere without hearing it. And like, then all of a sudden, it's this. It's like the lifespans are so short, it's already such a gamble if you can like make it past that one song. Yep. And it's just like, if that song does well for two weeks straight, that's good enough. Well, you know what? That's a totally interesting and valid flip side to what I was saying, which is like, okay, yeah, they may not be able to like choose the artists and farm them up, but instead, they're finding these artists who came out of nowhere and grabbing them and thus having control of us, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. because I think what the label's doing now is like, all right, he did this song in his own. Let's facilitate this Billy Ray Cyrus thing. And now... His label is like, oh, we have a bigger song than Drake now. We just broke this record. They look like geniuses. It's something that if they want to go sign other rappers, all they need to do is be like, look at what we did for Lil Nas X. We can do it for you. So to me, it's like it's a very Machiavellian like gamble where it's like, I'm sure his A&Rs care about him. But the powers that be are like, just sign anyone who has a hit. We will get it to number one and we'll think about what we're doing. It's the Jon Snow thing where everybody he's just literally like, guys, we have like. He's like, don't worry about the plan. We got like the White Walkers coming. <laughs> well, I think it's actually, so you know what, then it's kind of two separate lessons. Like a Billie Eilish is someone who's, who with her brother is a self-contained unit and there's not much they can yeah. do. But Lil Nas X is either going to be a huge success or he is like a huge successful career story or it could be a cautionary tale of labels being like, hyping up one thing maybe to the ultimate detriment of the artist and then moving on to the next. So I think that's very valid and and a little bit. And also, like, if we're going to enter an era of, like, novelty song upon novelty song, that can only last for too long before that gets a little unsettling. And it's interesting because I feel like most people who are not teens or us can name a Billie Eilish song, if you think about it. There's a couple of songs obviously blowing up, and it's definitely pushed by her fans by you know people who are actively seeking her out but i think for the most part people can recognize her face they can recognize the fact that she does make music and that she has that like creepy aesthetic but there is like this weird moment where these songs these albums can blow up these artists can build careers without having this hit where sometimes having the one big hit is a detriment now yeah so rob where do you think this is all going what's the larger lesson you take in our remaining one minute you know i was just reading about hunter s thompson they would ask for the wisdom at the end of the article so rob give us the wisdom at the end of our podcast here you know i think (laughs) Little Nas X has the wisdom. You know, this is like how a hit happens now. It's not how all hits happen now, but that's something like this can happen. Like you said, you know, like the label, they can worry about the next phase when we cross that bridge, 
but the fact that these songs are coming out of nowhere and that it's very exciting. That was the wisdom. Thank you, Rob Sheffield. This has been today's Rolling Stone Music Now. Thanks to Charles Holmes. Thanks to Bernie Spanos. Thanks again to Rob Sheffield. We talked about Lil Nas X and Billie Eilish and tried to understand the teens. And we'll be back next week to try to understand whatever we're going to try to understand next week here on Sirius XM's Volume Channel 106. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast. Maybe leave us a nice review on iTunes. And as always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.